listener named Khalif in Oklahoma writes in, Pastor John, I've listened to you and read your books for years and it has been such an encouragement for me. You speak a lot about joy, but it, the matter in which you speak of it from the pulpit seems to communicate more of a desperation for this joy. I'm not saying you don't lay hold of it, but it seems more like you wake up having to fight for this joy every single morning rather than just simply being saturated in it. I know that is my experience. I wake up at 5 a.m. almost every day to read and pray in my fight for joy. Can you please explain for me this disconnect of fighting for joy and not simply having a natural disposition of being a joyful person? What would you say to Khalif? Yes, yes. I've thought so much about this. The answer is yes, I do. I can tell you something about that disconnect. And Khalif is very discerning. I would have no problem accepting what he just said about about the way I sound. Um, I have often commented that the name of my book is Desiring God, <laughs> not having already found complete constant satisfaction in God. So he's, he's asking, what, what's with the disconnect about fighting for joy relentlessly and not having a simple, steady state, natural, sweet, resting in joy as God loves us so much. What's with that? The Bible itself very clearly says, rejoice always. And again, I say, rejoice. It says, give thanks for all things. Yes, for, not just in. There's another place that says in, but Ephesians 5.20 says, give thanks for all things. So why do I talk so much about not having full joy and fighting for it and desiring to have it? What's the disconnect? Good question. There are three reasons for the disconnect, at least three that I see. Number one, personality. This is tricky, but let me try. People are very different. By nature, we are more or less cheerful, and I don't mean to equate spiritual joy with natural cheerfulness. That would be a big mistake. But I do think personality makes some fruits of the Spirit more prominent in some than in others, and there are things in our personality and in our experience that create greater obstacles for experiencing certain spiritual graces. For example, I think there are personality types that have a, a great more difficulty having patience and gentleness, and those are fruits of the Holy Spirit, and yet personality entangles us and makes obstacles, and, and we, we grieve him and we resist him more naturally than, than others. These come more easily for others than for some. So it is with joy. So my first explanation is that those who struggle the most for joy may have greater obstacles to overcome in their personality. That's the first answer. Second, the disconnect between steady state joy and, and the struggle for joy when we don't have it is um, sin in our lives. All of us who are born again have what Paul calls 
indwelling sin remaining in us. There's corruption that must daily be put to death. Colossians 3.5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, idolatry, which is idolatry. So he's telling Christians, put that to death. Well, there's, if, if, if they're Christians and they have to put it to death, there must be some remnants of it there to kill. Same thing with Romans 8.13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. He's talking to Christians. Or 1 Peter 2, 1. So, you Christians, put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. So he's talking about warfare, daily warfare of encroaching sins that need to be squashed and killed and, and put down because they are militating against our joy. So the reality is John Piper often fails in having attitudes and words and deeds that conform completely to the gospel. We're, we're supposed to walk in step with the gospel and walk in step with the Spirit, Galatians 2, Galatians 5. But I don't fully and completely walk in step with the gospel and the Spirit. And these failures, my failures, militate against my capacities for joy. So the fight for joy is a fight against joy-killing sins in my life. That's the second factor that, that goes a long way to explaining the disconnect between wanting joy and, and not enjoying a, a steady state experience of it. And the last one is the disconnect is, I think, explained in significant measure by the fact that we live in a, um, a world of an age that is broken physically, and the sorrow and sin of other people make it impossible in this life to experience unsullied, only unique joy. Let me give three examples. Romans 8.23 says that even we who have the Holy Spirit groan inwardly as we wait our adoption, the redemption of our bodies, our bodies. So this is what I meant when I said we live in a world of a physical brokenness, broken bodies, cancer, arthritis, Zika, Ebola, and on and on. The existence of pain in this age means that sooner or later, joy is going to be mingled with significant weeping. Another example is that other people's weeping becomes our weeping if we love them. Paul says Romans 12, weep with those who weep. Well, there are always people weeping, and the more you love, the more their weeping becomes your weeping, and the interplay between our weeping and our joy is very difficult and very complex. Another example, one last example. Um, people are perishing and going to hell. Some people that are very close to you may be in that condition. And Paul, when he faced that terrible reality that his Jewish kinsmen that he loved profoundly were cut off from Christ, he said, this is Romans 9, 1 and 2, 
I am speaking the truth in Christ. He feels like he almost has to swear this. It's, it's so painful. I am speaking the Christian truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Now, that's the man who said, rejoice always. And again, I say, rejoice. So you can see that constant, uninterrupted joy must at least be able to exist side by side with unremitting sorrow over the lostness of the people you care about in the world. So the upshot of this is that I don't expect to have constant and complete joy in Jesus in this age. I don't. Full and everlasting, those are the key words, full and everlasting joy will come finally when this fallen age passes away and we are made completely perfect. Our personalities will be set free from every obstacle to joy and everyone in our experience will be sharing with us the fullness of everlasting joy That will come. That age is going to come. And the hope of it, Paul says, the hope of glory in Romans 5, 2, the hope of it sustains us in our present fight for joy. Amen. That is a sweet promise. Thank you, Pastor John, for this word and for modeling this fight for joy in Christ every single day in the disciplines of the Christian life. And uh, Khalif, thank you for the excellent question. We'd love to get your question. Email me directly at AskPastorJohn at DesiringGod.org. If you send us a question, we will get it, we will read it, but we won't respond to it. We can't respond to any emails. I'm sorry for that. But I am your host, Tony Ranke. I'll see you tomorrow on the Ask Pastor John podcast.